Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, Monday, July 26th. Happy Monday, everyone. Good to be with you today. Uh, Big week this week, uh, just in terms of college football, speculation, all that good stuff. Uh, Said many times uh, this summer, (laughs) it's been an eventful summer, and we've had stuff to talk about and cover the whole time, Uh, and that's good. You know, I I think just from our standpoint, you know, it's pretty good if – you know, if you have stuff that's meaningful to discuss this time of year, usually we hit SEC media days, everybody's fired up about the season. And then there's a two two week lull. (laughs) People go to the beach, by the way, I'm heading to the beach myself, just a programming note. Uh, I'll be out the 31st through the 11th of August, heading to Myrtle for a little while, uh, pick back up with the podcast, may leave some podcast here, uh, to kind of filter through because that's a long time um, for you guys. But uh, that's that's a vacation I scheduled in May before I knew there was going to be a lot of stuff going on to talk about. Um, so we'll have that for you. Uh, but that's a programming note for you from yours truly. Uh, and before we get to some discussion, this initial portion of Inside the Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? And even then, he's aloof and acts like you don't know what you're talking about and all that good stuff. Are you paying him good money to keep things working but are still having constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up you and securing your network? Does your head hurt from having to deal with these issues? If this describes you, if you're sitting there and I'm breaking up on you right now because your internet's terrible, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital, 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage Digital will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues that impact your security, your productivity, most importantly, your profits. Heritage will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT works correctly all the time. I'm going to emphasize that all the time for one low monthly fee. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage Digital has you covered. So, again, if you're sick and tired of constant computer and network issues, call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today, 843-664-8989. Get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and for all. Please sure to tell them, JC from Lot of the Gamecocks, I'm sorry, inside the Gamecocks podcast, uh, 40 and slip there, uh, sent you. Uh, heritagedigital.com is that email as that website and certainly we all like fast internet drives me crazy uh, when you don't have fast internet okay so expansion 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 that's kind of taken over the college football world today Um, did want to pass this along because I see I see a lot of speculation out there and you know the, the thing that with the Texas and Oklahoma deal the thing that kind of made me realize that it had legs is it was reported by the Houston Chronicle. And I've mentioned this many times, uh, you know, newspapers have to go through a bunch of checks uh, before they put out a story like that source checks, um, 
fact checks, all that good stuff. You know, it, it's they, they and I'm not saying uh, we I mean, we do the same thing on the big before we go with anything. In fact, we're extra careful before we report anything. But, um, you know, if this were the rubbing the rock blog uh, on fan sided or a fan sided site doing this or, or even certain reporters out there that you know, we're wrong about expansion in the past. I would have been, spe- I would have said, this is speculation. They're trying to get a better deal from the big 12, but because it came from the Houston Chronicle. And then I checked with a source that knows things like this and says, yeah, you heard it a couple of weeks ago. Then, um, I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I knew it had legs and here we go today, Texas and Oklahoma tell the big 12, Hey, we're out. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're not going to, worry about the new TV deal or whatever, the other eight schools are going to panic, rightfully so. Um, but, but, but I'll say this, you know, about the Big 12, and we're going to have some JC and Morgan podcasts this week, a couple of them, and uh, we're going to get into this more in depth from a macro uh, perspective in college football. But I'll just say this, the, the other Big 12 schools did it to themselves. Um, you, you have one school in that league in Texas that decided they're going to start their own network and you know, then they were going to go to the Pac-12 and, and all this other stuff. And, and it was it was just a ploy to get what they wanted within the Big 12. And then Oklahoma follows right along. Those are the two biggest brands. Um, and Oklahoma went down the road with the Pac-12 a lot. You know, Texas seems to think they can go independent. I don't think that's the case. But, uh, you know, in, in everything I've ever heard about the Texas Athletic Department and the University of Texas from a lot of Texas friends and contacts that I have is that there's no way they would join the NCC. Just no way. Academically, they mentioned that. You know, that's, a, that's just something I think a lot of schools say. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, academics and culturally. And I'm like, well, you know, your student body and the city of Austin may not be a cultural fit in the SEC. Although I think it is because, you know, Austin has a lot of good live country. I mean, Austin and Nashville are similar type places. Um, Austin's a state capital. Uh, but the Texas fan base is an SEC fan base. I mean, it's huge and passionate. Uh, and they're not all from Austin. So uh, I always kind of thought those were just excuses. And, and one of my buddies one time told me, look, man, they just don't want any. <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to go to the SEC. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a lot more brutal. Uh, and, and obviously, if you're Texas, you know, you're in a good position. But things have changed the last 10 years. I think they see the money A&M's making. Uh, I think they see the, the college model evolving to a certain extent. Um, and I think that, you know, with name, image, and likeness, you know, that sort of changed the game uh, a bit. Uh, I also think this, and I can't emphasize this enough, and, and it, it makes sense if you think about it. Now, I haven't been told this. This is kind of my theory. So name, image, likeness comes along. Your boosters are, are pretty well off at all these schools, right? They, they, you know, they can throw around money with the best of them anywhere, you know, in the SEC. And, uh, but, but, you know, th- there's only a finite amount of resources that your boosters are going to have, you know, period. It's... um. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, there is a pot of money and, you know, most of it these days with, for major boosters goes to the school to build buildings and, 
you know, scholarship donations, Gamecock Club, things like that. It gets funneled through the official uh, channels, you know. And I think that you look at name, image, likeness, and I've said this many times, and this keeps coming up, the athletic department in South Carolina needs to get out in front of this. Well, they have. But I'm going to tell you this again. It's not up to them. Uh, It's up to those of you out there that wish to contribute and get on board with this that have the resources to do it. Um, The athletics departments have to stay somewhat hands-off. They can facilitate uh, things through a third party in terms of you call up the the, the company or the agency that's handling a specific player and you negotiate with them, but they can't sit there and, you know, Ray Tanner's not sitting there calling boosters going, hey, can you give this guy a deal? Uh, And that's that's not happening. The wall there – uh, is is really the only rule with teeth when it comes to name, image, likeness. I mean, it's 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 there is has to be a wall that has to be separate. Uh, and so, you know, and I'll give you an example. Like right now, it's up to the individual schools to negotiate with their players uh, in terms of using uh, getting licensed to use their brand. Now, North Carolina did this, um, you know, but right now, you know, like at, at South Carolina, unless they uh, come up with a deal, you know, they can't use the Gamecock logo and, and all that good stuff. There's a wall, right? And uh, and that's what it's supposed to be. So that that's what's going to happen is it, it's going to be up to, you know, some of you folks out there um, to get it done with name, image, likeness. You want the Gamecocks to be successful. So what that does is uh, I think at, a lot, at every school, you know, your boosters may cut back. Um, you know, uh, on what they give to the school in order to facilitate name image likeness. So what does that do? That, that, that drops your revenue. Uh, and in a situation where you're talking tens of millions of dollars worth of shortfall everywhere in the country because of COVID that money, you have to make it up from somewhere. Right. Uh, and, and so you kind of look at it and you're like, shoot, we, you know, we, we can't be as autonomous as maybe we once thought because, you know, you, you you've got to have some folks out there, you know, competing in name, image, likeness, and that's going to cost money. And obviously that money has to come from somewhere, you know, (laughs) and uh, it's usually coming from boosters and people who care uh, about the school. And so here we go. Uh, So, so this is it. I mean, it's, it's a money play. Uh, You look at the TV deal and this is even before streaming, you know, you're probably going to, that TV deal is probably going to go up. Um, you know, if you're the SEC, you can start packaging your streaming package uh, to companies that have bunches of money like Facebook and Amazon and, uh, you know, HBO. I mean, Netflix, who Netflix did say they weren't going to get into live sports just yet. You know, all these companies that, that have made bukus on streaming or that are big tech companies, Facebook, Twitter, um, they can shell out a bunch of cash for your streaming package and thus make Disney and ESPN. If they want to keep that part of it, you know, shell out a bunch of cash, Disney and ESPN are now, I think believers in streaming. I think, you know, when you look at kind of how it's all evolved before the pandemic, um, I don't know that, you know, they were developing Disney plus and ESPN plus and buying Hulu and all that, that was coming, but Disney had to shut down its, theme parks there were no live sports on espn espn's been suffering because of cable cord cutting anyway um and so 
they launched Disney Plus, and within a month, you know, their balance sheet is looking pretty solid. <laughs> so I think they, I think they're like believers, you know, and and they're a huge player. Disney is a gigantic media conglomerate that owns a ton of great brands and they value that. And that, that's kind of their secret sauce. You know, they'll pay top dollar for top brands. And so an expanded sec with Texas and Oklahoma certainly uh, improves that brand. I mean, those are two great brands in college football and college athletics in general. I mean, you're, you're not just adding two schools that are good at football and that's it. I mean, Texas and OU are good at men's basketball. They're good at baseball. Uh, Oklahoma has a uh, class, first class softball program. Uh, they're good in women's basketball. Vic Schaefer's now at Texas. Uh, th- these are two athletic departments that are a lot like a Florida or North Carolina or someplace like that where they try to be good at everything, Ohio State. Uh, so th- it's not just football. The, the, now, football's driving 90% of it, but. Uh, when you're talking about overall athletics and brands and, and good stuff, I mean, you know, just, just think about this guys, Texas and Oklahoma, Texas and Texas A&M. Um, now we hadn't seen Texas and Texas A&M play in 10 years, but uh, I always thought that was wrong and a little pig headed, but you know, that game traditionally is on Thanksgiving night. Uh, everybody's watching it. I mean, that's a premium piece of programming, you know, and I think right now, Thanksgiving Day, maybe be maybe it's Missouri and Arkansas, or it's the Egg Bowl. Now those are good games. Don't get me wrong, Egg Bowl is a very underrated rivalry. They hate each other, but you slide Texas and Texas A and M into a Thanksgiving night slot, and it's an SEC game. That's tremendous. Same with Texas and OU being an SEC game. That's Texas and Oklahoma is like you know Ohio State and Michigan. It's always televised all that good stuff. So the, the value is tremendous. And I think it is about money. Now, what I want to say is this, there's a lot of talk about on Gamecock message board, because obviously it inevitably comes back to this and rightfully so they're, they're the in-state rival and, and all that. And they're massively successful in football. Um, to Clemson joining the SEC. Clemson and Florida State is usually the two-team package that you see. And I want to caution a lot of you folks. It's fun to speculate, and that's fine. I'm not saying, yeah, you should, shouldn't talk about it. Um, but I don't think, based on who's reporting it or who's talking about it, that there's anything to that at present. Um, maybe with the Texas OU news, it facilitates some movement. Um. But you basically have a Clemson blog on fan sided just really killing it. I mean, I think they've written six stories. If you Google Clemson and SEC, there's six columns uh, about it that aren't, you know, I mean, it's, it's not award winning journalism there. But uh, you know, heck, who who does that these days? Um, but it's just speculation. How you know they're they're. They seem to be driving the Clemson of the SEC boat. Nobody like Tiger Net or Tiger Illustrated or, you know, name your outlet that covers the Tigers that has scoop and, you know, sources and all that. Nobody's talking about it. And then Dennis died today, and I was very critical of Dennis for his hot take on Shane Beamer last week. But good article by him on CBS Sports today uh, where he quoted a Clemson source saying they are committed to the ACC. Now – 
Clemson University, uh, for as long as I've been alive, has been very, uh, I don't know, very reluctant to leave the ACC. They got a good deal there. They're a big SEC level type program in football, which is the emphasis, uh, competing in the ACC. And they, they've been in the ACC since, uh, what, 1953? Um, and it's worked out tremendously for them. Uh, their fans fill up the stadium these days, uh, whether or not they're playing Wake Forest or Boston College or A&M or whoever they play, you know, South Carolina, whoever. Um, they're not hurting for money right now either up at Clemson. You know, they had to delay a stadium remodel because of COVID for like a year, but that's not it. That's not a whole lot. Um, it's a $68.7 million um, renovation, by the way. Uh, and so they, they delayed the phases of it or whatever because of COVID, but that's that's the only money-related deal they've had. And so, I, I, you know, who has influence at Clemson? Well, Clemson's board of trustees – president Dan Radakovich and Dabo Sweeney and I just unless it's just going to be like the ACC is going to fall apart and be relegated to second tier status which I don't see happening you know if Clemson were in the big 12 maybe maybe they're like holy crap (laughs) but uh, I think the ACC will be proactive and try to add teams I could see them adding West Virginia or begging Notre Dame, cutting cutting Notre Dame a sweet deal, letting them keep their TV network or whatever, and away they go. I, I, I think this is much more – and, again, I'm not ruling anything out because University of Texas I thought would never join the SEC. So that's so, – so this is just my opinion. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at it, this is much more of a move to – four conferences with 16 than it is to something where, you know, there's 24 on each side or, you know, you get, you know, the NFC AFC model that Josh Pate talked about, talked about on. And if Josh Pate's got great takes on this, uh, I encourage you to go to the 24 seven sports YouTube channel and subscribe. It's free uh, and listen to him. Cause he's got uh, a lot of good stuff uh, on this subject. And, uh, and I agree with him on most, so that's another good thing. Josh and I are like-minded in a lot of ways, but, but I, I don't, I don't see it going that far right now. I think that there's a lot of fan speculation, people with Twitter accounts, people with blogs, just throwing stuff out there because the rumor mill is hot and heavy. Right. But until you see something credible on it, I don't think Clemson and Florida state are going anywhere. I, I just, and I and I think when you when you look at the history of Clemson, and we all know the history of Clemson, because if we grew up in South Carolina or we're Gamecock people, you always keep up with what they're doing, and they keep up with what South Carolina's doing. There, there's um, there's no question. Uh, but if you look at their history, they're 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 not really that fired up about creating a tougher path for their football program. Um, and, and that's not to insult them. I think it's smart what they've done. And their their track record speaks for itself. But, you know, when you look in the future, when you look at some scheduling stuff, you know, and I broke this down too on the podcast, look at Georgia and Alabama and how they're scheduling in the future uh, versus Clemson. 
And Clemson is not, I mean, they're not loading it up, folks. I mean, they, uh, they're they doing just about what they always do. They got their thing with Notre Dame. And uh, that happens every five years. Uh, and then they have South Carolina. And then they schedule, if the years they don't have Notre Dame, they've got Georgia, Oklahoma on the schedule coming up. They got LSU coming up. But years they don't have, or they do have Notre Dame, it's Notre Dame, Carolina, and two teams they can beat. Uh, and that's really through 2028. Whereas you look at Bama's 2028 schedule, they open with Notre Dame and Ohio State <laughs> and then play the SEC West. So, you know, I sort of look at it and I'm like, that's that's just not, you know, going out and, I mean, I think they they may have seen the plight of their in-state rivals in a way. Um, I don't know that they had a lot more success before South Carolina was in the NC. I mean, I'm not talking about the 80s here, but – and just how hard it is in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, South Carolina had the, their five best years or four best years of football ever, and just by the scheduling, ended up not making it to Atlanta in three of those. Um and that's hard. You know, you think South Carolina was in the ACC those years. They wouldn't have made it to Charlotte. Well, depending on the division, but I, I think I tend to think that those teams would have. Uh, and so if you're Clemson, you know, you, you, you're really, and it's not that they're, I don't want, I don't want some Clemson blog to pick this up and be like, oh, they're saying that Clemson's afraid and turn this into a Clemson, South Carolina thing. Uh, I'm just saying that philosophically, They've set themselves up for success. They have success, even in a 12-team deal. Like Dabo Sweeney said, if they make it four, you know, they're, they're winning conference championships to get into the playoff. Um, and it's been a boon for them money-wise, success-wise, recruiting, whatever. You throw them in the Southeastern Conference, you know, yeah, they may pick up a couple more players in recruiting, which is they're not recruiting poorly, folks. Um, they may choose to go to the SEC, you know, just because that's a, appealing to that particular recruit. But, you know, you're talking about replacing a lot of good teams, you know, on uh, or a lot of teams that they can beat with a lot of good teams. You know, you're not playing Georgia Tech, NC State, Boston College. You're playing Auburn, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, you're not playing Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville. You're playing Ole Miss and LSU and Texas or wh- whoever, you know. Um, in addition, to, I mean, it, it gets brutal. Now, if you're a Clemson fan, I, you know, a fan, I, I'm just like, bring it on, you know, because all of a sudden – your season tickets <laughs> end up being like, wow, you know, this is a great home schedule. You know, I don't have Boston Syracuse at noon anymore in September. You know, you, you can kind of, you know, a lot of big games, Death Valley. But, um, and I think for their other sports, it'd, it'd be really good. I think that in a lot of ways, you, you, you know, you, you look at Clemson's other sports and you know, they could stand to be in the SEC. But I, uh, you know, I, I just I, I think that there's a lot of speculation. I think there's a fan blog out there that's really they want this to happen as fans, and that's why they're writing stuff on it. Uh, I saw the tweet from somebody from Barstool. Uh, that guy, you know, I'm not I, I don't know a whole lot about that guy, 
uh, other than I'm very skeptical uh, of that at this point. Now, like I said, I, I would have been skeptical of Texas OU stuff had it not come from a credible outlet. So what do I know? But uh, that's my thing there. So I, I, you know, I think that the Clemson thing, I just, you know, I, I think that they would be very reluctant um, and it would take something terrible happening to the ACC, which them leaving and Florida State leaving would be something terrible to happen to the ACC as far as football goes. I think it's much more likely the ACC gets its act together, convinces Notre Dame, and uh, or or adds, you know, a West Virginia and somebody else. I mean, you know, it, it may, you know, I, I – there's some speculation the ACC, you know, maybe they add Oklahoma State. And I'm like, well, that would make Oklahoma, Oklahoma State an ACC, SEC battle. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think my preference to for conferences to be geographically aligned is probably out the door at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we, we could see what happens with, with all that. But that's it. I, I you know, I – a lot of Gamecock fans and stuff. I mean, and, and like I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying don't talk about this because it's not true. Because it's fun to speculate or whatnot. But I, I think my opinion, based on what I've heard through the grapevine, based on who's reporting what, is that there's just not a big push right now for Clemson and Florida State to join the the ACC. Now that said, taken off guard, you know they they kept the 12 team playoff thing quiet. Um, they kept the Texas Oklahoma thing quiet for the most part. And so in my opinion, it, you know, who knows what could be going on behind the scenes, but um, you know, that's kind of the deal I think with expansion and in the mailbag, we have a ton of expansion questions. And so with that, it's time for the IHOP consulting mailbag. Can't stress enough how much money iHelp Consulting can save your business if you're a business owner. Keep in mind, this is different than Heritage Digital. Heritage is going to keep your internet running right and keep slow internet out of your office or your virtual work environment. Um, iHelp is just to get in there and break everything down. How much are you spending? How much can we save you? Uh, so if you're a business owner, you want to save time, save money, iHelp Consulting can help. It's a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help business save money on expenses. It's credit card processing, uh, internet in terms of how much you're paying out every month, insurance, which uh, that can get high if you're a business owner. Uh, iHelp can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. Uh, you're not going to have an $800 copay for your employee if they break their leg, <laughs> if you get cheap insurance. Uh, and remember, if they can't help you save business, uh, save your business any money, you don't pay them anything. That's right. I help. If they can't help your business, it's no cost to you. So call or text Daniel Owens at iHelp, 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713, iHelp Consulting. How can I help you? the proud sponsor of the I help consulting mailbag on the inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, please tell them JC sent you, uh, please tell me heard it on the podcast. That's important. Uh, just make sure you give me a little shout out there. And like I said, Daniel Owens, eight, four, three, three, seven, two, five, seven, one, three, I help consulting.com. And so it's time for the mailbag. Two ways you can get into the mailbag. You can tweet to at the big spur pod. 
And we got one there. And then you can email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Bullheaded says, yo, JC. Yo, Bullheaded. Hypothetically, if South Carolina was self-sufficient enough to be an independent brand like Notre Dame, would you do that or still be tied to the conference? The thought of having a national schedule and having an exclusive TV deal to CBS would be cool. Um, I agree. I don't think South Carolina has the brand to do that. Um, I agree it would be cool if they were in that position. But, I mean, even Texas, I think, which has had these, you know, feelings about possibly going independent, uh, even Texas, I think, has decided, look, you know, it's much easier to not go this alone. Um, I don't think there's very many programs that that could do that. I think Notre Dame is one. I think Southern Cal may be one. Uh, I don't think Texas was crazy off base with it. Um, And then, I don't know, you know, uh, Ohio State maybe. Has has enough uh, enough deal because what you know South Carolina is just not because South Carolina is a small state, it's just not a very big fan base. I mean, it's, uh, compared to some of the others, and you know, I, I have access to all that data, you know, as much as it exists, you know, because I have a website, and so you know, we we sit here and as red uh, red's growling at the mailman again. Jeez, <laughs> not a day goes by, <laughs> but um. We, uh, you, you know, we have access to all that because, you, you know, you look and see, well, how big is the website uh, members-wise, traffic-wise, all that. And then you have to kind of, you know, break it down to the sense that, you know, how big is the fan base? What, what's your market size? And I just, you know, Notre Dame has been a national brand. I mean, there's Notre Dame fans all over the country. Um, they probably have just as many fans in New York city as they have in Chicago uh, and you know, the fans everywhere, you know, you see how they show up. Um, that's a large pool of, um, of, uh, of fans. Gamecocks don't really have that. Neither does Clemson, by the way, neither do a lot of the SEC schools as big as they are. Uh, even Georgia, I think, which has a very large fan base, Alabama, I just don't I don't see going independent and playing a national schedule something they could do. And here's another thing to think about, too. You do that with football. Where are you going to park your other sports, you know, while you're playing football as an independent? I mean, you know, UConn did this because UConn is a basketball school, both men's and women's. And in the American, their basketball was suffering. Their football wasn't really moving the needle. <laughs> and so they're like, we're going, we're going to go and move back to the Big East in basketball because in basketball, it's good for them to play Georgetown and Villanova and Providence and St. John's and, and all those traditional teams. Uh, and we're just going to go – we're just going to fall on the sword with football. And uh, so if you go – if you're for football, if you have a big-time football program like South Carolina – you know, and you go independent, you're not sacrificing football. You're, you're sacrificing everybody else. So where would they go? Um, because the power fives aren't just going to take everything but football. So you probably, given that they have a relationship in men's soccer with Conference USA, you're relegating your other sports to Conference USA, uh, which I, you know, 
Tuesday night basketball game, 7.30 tip-off with Florida Atlantic in January. I just don't know that that's going to drive. I think South Carolina could win, but, you know, your conference eventually drags you back to where it's at. You can ask uh, guess Miami football about that. Uh, and so that would be the other big question about something like that. Um, in addition to just, you know, right away, South Carolina's too small of a market. Um, you know, so, so I don't even, you know, would CBS Sports Network, the, you know, sort of the ESPNU of CBS, maybe cut a deal with Carolina? Yeah. Uh, but nationally, no, I, I just, I don't see that being on network television every week. Um and, and it's just about market size and people and all that good stuff. So I, I think that's that. And, you know, Carolina was an independent for a while, played a really good schedule. It was kind of a hybrid of ACC teams and then really good teams across the country. Uh, and I think those days are over. I think, you know, South Carolina has been a member of the Southeastern Conference for almost 30 years now. Um, I think the good news is, is, you know, as everything evolves – uh, and like I said, I have skepticism about this, but it, let's say they do say the SEC is going to 24 and they're going to be their own thing in football and their own division, you know, whatever. Then South Carolina has a seat at the table in the biggest division in college football. So, you know, you don't want to get left behind on that. If you have aspirations to be good, um, you know, you, you want to be at the top. And that's that, you know, it is more fun to win than lose, no matter who you're playing. But I, I, I just think that, you know, as a, I mean, I don't know, if you're not in the SEC, if you're South Carolina, and the SEC ends up being the, the class, you know, the, the first class division uh, of uh, college football, then, then you're in trouble. I mean, you're in trouble from the sense that, what the heck did you spend on? I mean, you know, you, you could gear everything back uh, and just compete on your level, but uh, that's that's still not going to – that's the, you know, that's just not going to fly, you know, with the Gamecocks. But that's that's a good thought. I mean, I, and I agree, uh, bullheaded, with – it'd be great if that could happen, but I just – right now, you know, and, and probably forever, I just don't see – I just don't see that that's going to be – something that takes place going independent, you know, I, 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 and I don't think Carolina's moving to the ACC. Uh, I think any of this talk about, Oh, we just don't want it anymore. You know, need to go someplace and be more competitive. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And it's not just because of money. I mean, you know, like it or not, like I said, South Carolina was, has been in the SEC for almost 30 years. They were only in the ACC for 18, 1953 to 1971. Uh, you know, I, I I think they're an SEC school, you know, like it or not, SEC school. So thanks so much for the tweet, Bullheaded. I always appreciate it when you, uh, you know, when you uh, text in. So there we go. Inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com in the iHelp Consulting mailbox and Everybody, uh, everybody's wanting to talk about this, so I'm going to continue to answer these questions. USC 120 says, "Will adding at UT in Oklahoma making it much more difficult for us to 
win a championship and become relevant along with Clemson continuing lead, continually being one of the elite programs of college football, eventually destroy a lot of the interest in Gamecock fans and significantly hurt the program down the road. Well, no. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why, you know, look, Texas and Oklahoma joined the league, you know, from a football standpoint. And I guess that that's exactly what we're talking about that, not other sports, South Carolina. I mean, you know, like I'd be more concerned about it if I were LSU, to be honest. You know, because they're right there kind of in your area. You, you like to recruit Texas uh, pretty well. Or, or if I'm Arkansas, although Arkansas probably is going to enjoy getting, you know, Texas back on the schedule and getting to play Oklahoma. It's a border state. So so they're Arkansas and Missouri are probably like, oh, okay with it, you know, even though I know that's going to hurt them competitively. But those schools, the, the ones that go into Texas and recruit, and the ones that are near them ge- geographically, I just, you know, you're still going to have an SEC championship game if you want to win the SEC, and it's a one-game shot. And you're going to get somebody really good. You're either going to get Alabama, you're going to get Auburn, you're going to get Texas, you're going to get Oklahoma. Um, you know, it, it's probably going to impact – some TV kickoff times, I would guess. Uh, but I think there's also going to be a, a lot more channels available, in other words. Uh, in other words, you know, you're not, you know, South Carolina has a big home game with Tennessee or whoever. You know, for that nighttime kickoff, you're going to be competing with Texas and Oklahoma sometimes and or ever whoever they're playing, Texas and Arkansas or whatever, uh, Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Uh, so that that's probably a little bit negative. But, but this does not – immediately, you know, destroy Gamecock football and aspirations. Now, I'll say this, and uh, and I don't know what they're going to do with divisions. I have a guy telling me that, uh, and he's, I believe he's heard it from a pretty good sources, that Bama and Auburn are coming to the east, and they're going to add Texas and Oklahoma to the west, and Missouri, and call it a day. Two eight team divisions, and he swears that's going to happen. And uh, I believe him. I believe that's what he's heard. Um, I don't know what Georgia and Florida are going to think about that. Uh, you know, shoving Alabama and Auburn into the Eastern Division. Uh, I think some some schools are going to reject it and want to go to a pod system or, or something like that. And the pods are picking up momentum again. This is one of those things that's on the internet. It's not. It's not out there. I don't. I don't even think. I think what you do, you get them in the league, you find out when they're coming, and then you figure it all out. And that's usually how it happens. Now, do I think that in Birmingham they may be sketching out some models right now? Absolutely. Um, Do I think if they stay with a two-division format, really the only thing you can do if you don't rename the divisions is uh, slide Bama and Auburn over and uh, go with that and maybe expand to non-conference games, maybe not. But uh, I uh, – so I, I don't know. You know, I, you know, that's the biggest – if you're South Carolina, you're in the SEC East, um, your goal is to get back toward the top of the division and win it. And it's a lot less daunting looking up at Missouri and Kentucky and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida than it is all those schools plus Alabama and Auburn. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. South Carolina, is, you know, since they've been in the league, has played Alabama pretty well over the years. 
including last time, even though it was a 31-point game in the fourth quarter. It's a pretty good Alabama team. South Carolina's defense wasn't all that good. Um, that game, uh, they had trouble, obviously, stopping those guys, and that's a lot of teams did over that two-year period. But, you know, they had their they obviously had their chances early and um, could have made it a much closer, you know, touchdown game at half and all that. They beat, uh, There's that famous win in 2010, which is still the last time an East team beat Alabama. Um, you know, they, they played them well over the years. Now, Auburn, with the exception of last year, has been a pain in the Gamecock side. You know, and I don't know. You know, maybe you see something where Auburn comes and they bring one of the Mississippis or, you know, you, you can see a lot of different things, but that's a two-division format. The pod system, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you probably most of the models I've seen out there, including the one from the SEC Network, was Georgia, Kentucky, Carolina, and Florida, which that would make sense. I mean, those are teams you got to play and beat anyway. Um. You know, it, it, it's it, it, if it's a pod deal and, you know, the idea, I think, would be to match a four-team pod with another four-team pod uh, and rotate them every year so everybody gets to play everybody. It's a little bit complicated to kind of figure out. But – and then the winner of the two pods, you know, uh, in the standings because you're playing the other pod, so you'll have tiebreakers and all that you know, those two play for the championship. And, uh, you know, that makes it, it's a crapshoot, you know, because uh, a lot of your success in a given year is going to depend on, you know, first and foremost, what kind of team do you have? Obviously you need to be good, uh, but it's going to kind of depend on what pot are you matched up with? How good are those teams? When are you playing who, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I think for everybody, you know, from Vanderbilt right on up, that's probably a good way to go rather than stacking two divisions. I mean, look, man, if you're, if you're, like I said, if you're Arkansas or LSU, you know, you're, you're like, oh, you're getting rid of Alabama and Auburn, but then you get Texas and Oklahoma. Jeez. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'm not ruling anything out with the divisions, but the worst thing to happen to South Carolina would be that Bama and Auburn thing. I mean, some people say, well, you're, if you're going to win the SEC, you're going to have to beat Bama eventually. Yeah, but you know, I don't I don't know if Alabama's slowing down anytime soon. And, you know, Auburn's not going to just sit around and, you know, oh, we, we're not good at football anymore. You know, that's not going to happen. People will get fired, obviously. So, you know, I, I'm just like, well, you know, that, that's going to make it tougher. Um, but, you know, with Clemson being an elite program, that, that really hasn't affected South Carolina's fan base uh, other than – it's been difficult for the fans because of, you know, a lot of times in the Muschamp era when it looked like Carolina was going to get it right, break through. They got the rug pulled out from under them, but that was never against Clemson. You could argue the 2017 game was disappointing because I still don't think that was Clemson's best team that they've had. Uh, that team got on a roll and was on a roll when it played South Carolina, but you know, the Gamecocks really could have played better that night. Uh, not saying it would have been all that close, and, but I think it could have been closer. And so, and, and at the time, South Carolina had won several games in a row. So, yeah, and you're eight and sit there at eight and three. I mean, you, you think you can compete, but um, that didn't happen. But other than that, those Clemson games just, you know, they weren't letdowns. But, 
there's been a transition from Spurrier to Moschamp and now Beamer. And at the mean, in the meantime, your art travels, you know, killing it, getting it, getting good. And, and I think the worry for Gamecock fans, as opposed to like when Florida went through Muschamp and McElwain and, you know, now Florida state's down, you know, those schools kind of have a lot of tradition to say, well, we can come right back. You know, South Carolina doesn't, doesn't have that tradition. And that, that but that doesn't mean they can't do it um, and can't close, you know, the gap and maybe win the game or compete in the game or whatever. So I, I think we're a long way off. Now, I'll tell you this. You move the Gamecocks to a different conference. All of a sudden, they don't have the SEC to sell in recruiting. Uh, all that, you know, you better make sure you're really good when you move that move to that conference because, you know, the SEC is a big selling point in recruiting. I mean, I don't think Stephon Gilmore, Alshon Jeffrey, Jadevian Clowney, or Marcus Lattimore come to South Carolina had they been in the ACC or another team. And you can say, well, Clemson recruits pretty well. They do, but, you know, there's some guys Clemson's wanted over the years, uh, and and I'll, I'll even take the Gamecocks out of this, that have, you know, liked Clemson, but they want to play in the SEC, so they go to Georgia or Florida or someplace like that. And uh, that's one thing Clemson's done as they've risen is they win a whole lot more of those battles. Like, you know, you're looking out there and you're like, well, T. Higgins grew up in Knoxville. You know, Trevor Lawrence grew up in northwest Georgia. Uh, if this were the 90s, those kids would be at Tennessee. Uh, Travis Etienne, they, you know, LSU couldn't, you know, LSU didn't show him a lot of love. And then Clemson did, but then LSU decided they wanted. But, you, you know, you take your receiver out of Tennessee's backyard. Uh, you beat Georgia and Tennessee on Lawrence. You, you know, you go in Louisiana and get ETN. I mean, that's – you know, Justin Ross out of Alabama. I mean, th- th- those are battles that, you know, whereas before Clemson was a national power, they probably would come in second uh, because of the lure of the SEC that they've gotten. But South Carolina, I mean, does anybody think that if the Gamecocks changed and said went to the ACC in 2025 that, you know, they're going to be winning SEC East and playing in the playoff by then? Um. I hope that they're challenging for the SEC East. I hope that they're back, you know, getting there under Shane Beamer. But, uh, you know, that's it, – it's a, it would be a very small – you'd have to thread the needle almost perfectly, and that just never happens in college football. So, um, all that good stuff. So, I don't I – don't, USC 120, I, I think that – to get back to your original point, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think adding Texas and Oklahoma on the surface – hurts the Gamecocks at all. In fact, puts more money in the coffers, that kind of thing. You know, they're way out in, in the Midwest or in the middle part of the country. Gamecocks are on the Atlantic coast. You know, South Carolina has started to recruit geographically more like the easternmost SEC team. Uh, and if you look, so, you know, when you're trying to build – that's smart. I mean, look at all the guys out of Ohio, Kentucky got to build their program. And I think – I think South Carolina is in a better spot than Kentucky because, you know, unlike the state of Kentucky, the state of South Carolina has players and you have players in Georgia and Florida that are right there, but they went into Ohio and, you know, got all the guys Michigan state used to get and Michigan state for a while. There was a pain in the butt to SEC teams in bowl games that Michigan state made a playoff under D'Antonio. Kentucky's kind of taken that, 
and and out of Ohio, going and getting guys guys of Ohio. So I think for South Carolina, just like Kentucky, up and down the East Coast is smart. Hello. USC 120, thanks for the question. Dr. Rob, one of my favorite, favorite emailers and listeners and members of the Big Spur. Love it when I get an email from him. He says, love the podcast and content of the Big Spur. I'm hearing the new SEC deal could add $20 million. If we add Texas and Oklahoma, it could go up another 5 or $10 million. If my math is correct, that would mean our conference payouts $30 more million a year than our in-state rivals. Right, talking about Clemson, yeah. But I expect the ACC number to go up sli- a, a bit, too. I mean, so it's probably not going to be that big of a dip or gap. So is it better to have $30 million more in revenue over a decade than Clemson? Or does Clemson have advantage with exposure from making the playoff every year? You always kind of want that playoff. I'm, I don't think you could put a price on that. I have to believe if we properly invest – our conference money into facilities and recruiting across all sports. We can pull ahead of them across the board. Would love to get your thoughts. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I I like with Alabama. I don't see them going anywhere. I don't see Clemson going anywhere as far as what they're doing. Um, you know, but again, South Carolina has to worry about Clemson one game every year. And they're the in-state rival. And, and and there's even very few recruiting battles that the two stop, that the two fight uh, head-to-head. You know, with, with a lot of the in-state kids this cycle, you know, they either, you know, are advantageous because they're in Greenville County, advantageous to, to Clemson. Uh, or it's like an Adam Randall, he plays receiver. I mean, you know, you, you – <laughs> that's a that's a tough sell to sell a receiver on not going to Clemson if they're in state. But you know, South Carolina's gotten Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens. Uh Clemson didn't offer Cam Smith, but he had big offers from all over. Um, you know, in state, South Carolina still does pretty well. Now, Tyrion Ingram Dawkins went to Georgia and Justin Justice Boone went to Florida. And that's those are the types of things you want to avoid on an annual basis because that adds up, you know, and I don't know how good justice Boone's going to be or TID. Uh, I tend to think TID is going to be a better than Boone, but who knows? Um, but you add that up at two guys a year that you want, and you know, over four years, that's eight guys, you know, could be up to 10 going to division rivals. You don't want that, but South Carolina Clemson very rarely even recruit against each other. So that's my deal there. Okay. Is that, you know, it's really one game a year when you're talking about Clemson versus South Carolina. Uh, and it's a non-conference game and all that. So do I think massive investments and continued investments into facilities uh, are going to be important? Yes. You know, I think it's it, college football in a lot of ways is an arms race. It still is. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, there's the NIL component to it, too. Uh, that thirty million you're talking about—that's not for NIL. That's for the university, which I think that's probably going to make up for some donors ending up doing the NIL thing. Um, I, I just don't know that the key to Gamecock, the Gamecocks, ca- you know, quote unquote, catching Clemson, beating Clemson in a one-game situation, 
um, being competitive uh, against the rival. I don't know that the answer to that is money because South Carolina's had money. Um, I think the answer to that is, you know, money can have a residual effect because you do have facilities where you can recruit. You've got all these guys, you know, uh, that can recruit uh, or all these bells and whistles that can help you recruit. And it's going to come down to players. Uh, You have money to spend on coaches for coach retention and things of that nature. And, you know, we see that Clemson is not shy about spending on their coaches, neither is South Carolina. And that will happen, um, you know, uh, if Shane Beamer's successful and his coordinators have offers to go elsewhere, you, you can bet South Carolina's going to step up and pay as well as anybody. Pay Beamer too. Uh, but, you know, that's that's on that end of things. And, of course, if you retain your staff and that helps in recruiting and stability helps, you know, in, in college football tremendously. Uh, but I think players and coaches are what's going to help that one, you know. And I think South Carolina staff is good. Uh, I think, you know, the, there's a lot of guys that have, you know, the two coordinators have never been in the SEC before. But, you know, sometimes that helps because, you know, old dog, new tricks kind of thing. Uh, you know, it's hard for some of these D coordinators, uh, I think, out there. Sometimes when you get hit with a new offensive system and as long as you have players in that system, um, you know, they take a little while to figure it out. Uh, and then you have some situations like Alabama where Sarkeesian's in a zone dialing plays or Joe Brady and uh, Ensminger the year before at LSU where they got overwhelming talent and an overwhelming scheme. You're just not going to stop them. But, uh, you know, so South Carolina's got a good staff right now. You know, they're not paying out as much as they did because – you know, just like with any job, it's based on experience. And so, uh, you know, so there's that. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that the answer is money and money alone, Dr. Rob, uh, as far as the Clemson question goes. Uh, I think a lot of times, though, that when you concentrate on building the best that you can for your own program, those games against the teams you want to beat take care of itself. It takes care of itself. And so I think that's what South Carolina needs to do with the expanded money. I also think – you know, with this expanded amount of cash, you can start investing in basketball, you know, which, you know, the women's program is obviously second to none. Uh, the men, you know, obviously could use a boost and, you know, make their facilities as nice as possible, make that sit, you know, maybe remodel the CLA. I mean, you know, you, you, with, with more money, you could do everything. I think this, though, too, and I'm going to add this point in, you, you see sort of the, Williams Bryce upgrades that, you know, whatever the 15,000 fans were that got into the stadium last year, they got to see it and enjoy it. Um, and, um, you know, the masses are going to get to experience that this time around 2001 club, all that good stuff. Uh, Clemson is doing a similar type of deal where they're doing, and just about every school that cares, I think, is going to do something. Florida's got a big master plan where they gut the swamp and put in chairbacks and, and all that stuff, lower capacity. Um, and, and I think you're going to see that more of the like the Major League Baseball model where the fan experience is enhanced, you know, and LED boards, you know, all that good stuff, new sound system expansion of the the north end zone you know i think that could be something they could do so all that extra money helps with stuff like that um and i think that 
you know, when you're an athletic department, there's there's two two ways you're funneling your resources. First and foremost has to be the student athlete. Uh, if we call them student athletes anytime soon, they're still going to be students and they're still going to be academic requirements and stuff. So you can still say that. Uh, and that's the most important is do your player, are your players getting everything they possibly can get? And then number two is, you know, and that includes paying coaches and things of that nature. And then number two is your fans and your, your, your the people that keep it going, you know? Um, and, and I think that, you know, Williams Bryce could be one of the focuses when you're talking about spending on football here moving forward. Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things you could do at Williams Bryce. I mean, brick it up, have a nice brick facade. I love the Springs Brook Plaza and what they've done. Springs Springs Brooks Plaza uh, and what they've done there. I think you know you could brick up the facade of it. You could, you know, build a Hall of Fame in the North End Zone or remodel the Floyd Building. Whatever you want to do. Uh, more premium seating. You could have a, a, a party deck for students in the North Exit Zone, a party deck for boosters, uh, that kind of thing. Um, br- a bridge over uh, shop, bl- uh, not shop, Bluff Road. It's a Bluff Road, a bridge over Bluff Road to get from, you know, where all the practice facilities are in Gamecock Park to the stadium. I, I think that's something that would be great for the game day traffic flow and all that. I mean, new video boards, every, I mean, you know, just all kinds of stuff that, that, you know, you could add to Williams Bryce, same with the CLA, same with Founders Park. Uh, and, and so you have to keep that in mind too, is that there, there are two ways to spend your money. I mean, you, you know, first you have to enhance the student athlete, but you can also enhance your fans and your fans experience. Uh, and with entertainment dollars, uh, out there, you know, you're trying to fight for them. Uh, TVs being what they are, and all that, you know, you, you're more. Some people, some people are going to go to the game no matter what, because that's that's what they do. Some people are going to be more enticed to go to a game when they don't have to wait and miss an entire series of ball uh, if they can go to the bathroom easily. Uh, or wait on a chicken sandwich <laughs> uh, at the, in the stadium, you know, uh, if they have a waitress or somebody, a server bringing them a, a beer and a brat or whatever, you know, you're going to be more apt to want to go to the game than, you you know, as opposed to sitting at home and watching it in your den, you can go get a beer and bathroom's right there with your, you're there with your buddies, you know. Uh, and I have noticed more people create these outdoor tailgating things. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's awesome. It's like a perpetual tailgate. Even when your team's playing, you never have to go in the stadium. And, you know, that's, that, that, there's something to be said for that, you know. And so that's the deal there, Dr. Bob, Dr. Rob. Appreciate that. Always appreciate your deal. Um, Frank says, hey, JC, big fan of the podcast. Another realignment question with all the realignment talk. Do you think that down the road we are looking at consolidation of the power five into four 16 team leagues? And if each of these new power five, four goes to eat four team divisions, we could see a second round of conference playoff games in division. The four pod winners play off for a outright conference champion. You know, that's it. I'm, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to read your question then address this with the four outright conference champions making the four-team college football playoffs. That way we get a 16-team playoff instead of 12 that's on the table and leaves the subjectivity of selecting the top 12 out of the committee's hands. 
Seems like a great structure when your pod and you're in, obviously a seismic shift would need to occur, but would love to see this. Follow up, since there are 65 plus teams in current power, five plus independents, would you give the boot, who would you give the boot to to get down to 64? My vote is Clemson, but I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, you don't, they're not going to boot Clemson, but um, I don't know. I uh, I would imagine, and, and this is speculation now, now should they be booted? No, <laughs> they've been successful. They've got a big fan base. They're a major university. Uh, they've played major college football for a hundred and something years. They got good basketball teams. You know, Kansas State, I think, is when you look at some of the models, could be the odd man out uh, from the Big 12 because I think Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor. And Texas Tech and Baylor will be joined at the hip, and I'm and I'm not saying I'm not saying this is right at all. Uh, I think they could be heading to the Pac-12. I think that uh, you know if Oklahoma State doesn't go to the ACC, which I think would be preposterous, but anyway, uh, I think Kansas and Iowa State could find a home in the Big Ten, uh, and I think. Kansas State could have to go to the American or the Mountain West. So there's your team. And uh, that would be unfortunate, in my opinion, because I have immense respect for Kansas State University. Its fans, its program has been successful. I mean, what what do they need to do? I mean, they go to bowls almost, almost every year. They, uh, they play – Player two away from winning, playing for the national title one year. They lost to AM and the Big 12 championship game. Uh, they've had really good teams under Bill Snyder and, and their new coach, Kleinman, I think is his name, uh, came from North Dakota State. He's a winner, you know, and, and K State just, no, they, they beat Oklahoma last year. So, you know, when you, when that would be unfortunate, but, uh, you know, when you kind of just look at, who's talking about going where and all that good stuff, you know, K-State could be the odd man out. I hopefully, I, I would hope, you know, that, that, that maybe the Big 12, you know, or the Pac-12 would take them. But, you know, if you're TCU, you know, you're wanting and, – and, you you know, you, you've got – Fans and, and keep in mind, it's 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 a you know yes, TCU puts you in the Dallas TV market, but so does Texas Tech, so does Baylor. But and TCU doesn't have a huge fan base, but um, you know you, you would think TCU's movers and shakers within the state government in Texas. Keep in mind, they're a private school though, so they could you know whatever. But they've got deep pocketed boosters, just like every Texas school does, and they've got influence and. You think if Baylor and Texas Tech were going, they'd bring TCU with them, uh, and then Oklahoma State, and so that's that. There's your four to get to sixteen, and then you know Iowa State, Kansas will go someplace else. I'm leaving somebody out of the Big Twelve. Oh, West Virginia. West Virginia is probably ACC or bust, but uh, you know Iowa State and Kansas are what you call AAU schools which uh, it's, it's a group of universities that the legend they're like better than everybody else. It's a really elitist organization. Nebraska, by the way, got booted out of the AAU. Uh, it, it's really like snob central, but uh, it is what it is. And, and the big 10, 
they put a big emphasis on that. And Iowa State and Kansas are in the AAU. Uh, I don't know that Kansas State is, and I don't know about the others. Um, so, you know, that that would be if I have to circle a team to boot boot it down to 64, it's probably gonna be K-State. And I don't think that's right. It certainly has nothing to do with athletics. It more has to do with university profile and the lay of the land and all that. And then in, in the state of Kansas, you don't know politically, you know, what's going to happen there either. They're both public schools. Would KU block it? You know, Oklahoma State was supposed to be able to block Oklahoma. Uh, there was supposed to be a gentleman's agreement in place about in-state SEC programs being added. But, you know, A&M, if you guys noticed too, Texas A&M changed its tune really quick. They're like, we're going to have a meeting and we're going to litigation and action, SEC, blah, blah, blah. Then they come out of the meeting and they release a statement and they're like, well, you know, this day was going to come anyway. So we feel like we're the leader here. You know, just the spin saying, okay, we're going to be okay with this. And then they got in the meeting and everybody's like, rubble, 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 rubble. And then they were like, okay, tell us what's going on. And then they were like, wait a minute, how much? How much more money are we going to be making with this? Can you run that by me again? You know, and, um, you know, money talks. And, and, and look, I, I think from if you're, if I'm Texas A&M, you know, it was really fun and all to rub SEC membership in the face of the Longhorns and your rival. And, oh, we don't play Nana and Boo Boo. We're not playing you anymore. And, you know, the one time they played Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, they beat them pretty good back when Johnny football, I think it's 2012. You know, so they, you know, I, I, I get it. But at the end of the day, if you're an Aggie, and I'm not an Aggie, and I don't know that I would be an Aggie if I lived in, if I were from Texas. Maybe, maybe not. If you're an Aggie, really in your heart, are you going to get more fired up to play Texas or Auburn? Are you going to get more fired up to play Oklahoma or Ole Miss? Uh, Even LSU, which was a rivalry back in the day when I think SEC played six conference games. Um, That's kind of a border deal. You play the Thanksgiving weekend. It's a big game, but is it, does it bring out the hatred and the passion you know, hatred's probably a strong word for today's times. But does it bring out the passion that Texas does? Maybe even Oklahoma. I remember watching an Oklahoma Texas A&M game in 2001. Gamecocks, Gamecocks were at Florida on CBS. Holtz versus Spurrier for the division. And Gamecocks were actually up 21 to three in that one and ended up losing 41 21. But, uh, and the Gamecocks would have gone to Atlanta had they won that game. But, uh, this is in 2000, but I remember watching a uh, – yeah, it was 2000, not 2001. Um, I remember watching Texas OU. OU won the national championship there. Texas A&M OU. Uh, OU won the national title. I think it was something like 34-31 Sooners. Uh, I'm thinking it was that year. At A&M in front of a huge crowd. I mean, really a great game. And – uh you know, you, you can't tell me that Oklahoma doesn't bring out passion. Uh, they were in the Big 12, you know, with A&M and all that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that 
at the end of the day, Aggie fans are going to be reluctant and upset about this for, to a certain extent. But then once they start playing, man, it's going to be great for Texas and Texas a and to play again. Great for college football, great for those two fan bases, great for the state of Texas. And both programs will benefit from it. So that's about that. All right, so expansion palooza today. Uh, just a couple other Gamecock notes. And thank you for all the questions in the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Please patronize iHelp Consulting. 843-372-5713. That's Daniel Owens. Uh, he will help you save money on your business. Also, don't forget Heritage Digital. Um, you know, some questions here and there football wise that have popped up, uh, you know, somebody asked about Marshawn Lloyd, if he'd be a step slow, I haven't heard that, uh, you know, from what I've heard, he's fine and ready to roll. Uh, there were some questions, uh, I guess I dropped a sort of a bomb on the, the big spur and then was away for a week about Kevin Harris, not having a good spring. Uh, he, he just wasn't, wasn't himself this spring, you know, and, and then was injured or whatever, or didn't play in the spring game. I think sometimes guys that have a really good season, they come back for spring uh, and maybe they're not great. But, it, you know, I, I think that, it, you know, you look at it from a certain extent of, you know, new staff and, and maybe they're like kind of surprised. But um, I expect fully, based on what I've heard this summer, as far as the working out goes and all that, that Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd are both going to have really good years. Game guys are going to have to block, obviously, for them. Uh, and uh, but those guys are kind of the straw that stirs the drink on the offense this season. So, you know, I, I think Harris will be fine, and I and I think the offense, you know, will evolve, and we'll see what happens with the passing game. I think they've got some some guys that can catch the ball. I think they're just at tight end technically uh, right now, and we'll see if some receivers can step up. Luke Doty is going to be a big important part of it. You know. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't completely dismiss that Jason Brown can beat him out. I just think it would take Jason having a huge, huge preseason and Doty not having right, a, a good pre preseason. I think that, you know, that there's that gap right now uh, with that situation. But so assuming it's Luke Doty, he's going to have to have a good year. And then I think the bigger question marks are on the back end of the defense I feel better about it that Prunty is out there starting at corner most likely. I think Prunty and Cam Smith give you a starting point in terms of veteran guys. You know, you don't have to throw Marcellus Dial, who hadn't played football in two years out there. You know, Hill and Fortune and Hunter, you know, are those guys going to be ready? Is one of those guys going to safety? You know, the safety spot, you do have Tyrese Ross in. Carlin Spatel is going to be probably a safety nickel. Um R.J. Roderick is back, and they like him. Uh, you know, then you got you know Jalen Foster can give you a few snaps. Um, I don't know Jalen Dickerson. That's kind of a wild card back there. Uh, I can see sort of a roadmap where, uh, oh, and then there's linebacker where everybody's hurt or everybody was hurt, and you got to get those guys back. I can see a roadmap where they be solid on the back end, and I think they're going to be good on the defensive line, but. Um, I also, uh, you know, I, I think those are the serious question marks on the on the team outside of the receiver position. Uh, and, and I would be much more worried about that than the offense right now because, you know, if you have an offense that does end up being somewhat, not all the way, but somewhat limited in the passing game, but you can't stop anybody, I mean, that gets into 
all right, you're going to have to play ball control and uh, all that good stuff. Um, keep your defense off the field. And who knows? Uh, who knows if that's something that, that can happen if teams stack the box and want to take away your run. You know, the, 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 you can see where it would be problematic. I, I think I think the defense, you know, and, and this is a premonition because I think there's so much focus on offense, period, in college football. Um, even last year, you know, you give up 159 points in three games and then everybody kills Colin Hill over it, you know, and, and Colin didn't play well. Played well against Ole Miss. I mean, people want to gripe about one play against Ole Miss, but, you know, it's hard to – nobody's perfect. You know, no quarterback is perfect. and It's hard to have perfection. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously A&M was a bad game for him. Obviously LSU was not his best either. Uh, but there were a lot of other issues too, and – Everybody continues to talk about the offense. I mean, the, the big talk was Luke Doty after the spring game. And I think that's kind of the number one is it's the nature of college football and how you're going to score points. The quarterback position obviously comes with a lot of demand. And a lot of times your court, as your quarterback goes is how your team goes. But um, I have a premonition that, you know, the defense could be the bigger concern you know, once we get to the season, uh, if some of these questions aren't answered. Now, the good news is, is their options on defense. Uh, they're not throwing, you know, obviously with Pronty and Ross, you got two guys with power five level experience. So you're not really throwing freshmen to the wolves. They're still new players uh, in some instances. I, I think the D line on paper has a chance to be really, really good. Uh, but that's on paper. You know, you, you got Enigbare and you got Sterling and you got Strawn who are productive. The rest of those guys haven't done it in a game before. So that's another question mark there. So anyway, we're going to talk more about that, obviously, as we move forward. Uh, the biggest key, as always, uh, I think is going to be injuries. <laughs> you can't be depleted like that at South Carolina. You know, you, you just – even the great years under Spurrier, if you really go dig into those depth charts and you say, well, what if these three guys were out? Who's playing? And you're like, ooh, that, that would have not – that may have changed the, the equation a little bit. Um, depth is an issue with the Gamecocks, right? But, it, you know, all but three or four programs, it's an issue. And, and really, when you're talking about the massive amounts of injuries and opt-outs, things like that, South Carolina had last year um, – you know, I think that would have impacted any team. And it did. It impacted a lot of teams, uh, you know, except Ohio State and Alabama probably, you know, just just to be honest. I don't, I don't even know that Clemson could have survived the, that kind of run on injuries that the game guys have. The game guys have to stay healthy. But that's probably a captain obvious thing. But we're going to talk more about that. Again, thank you to Heritage Digital, heritagedigital.com, to get your internet running fast, ihelpconsulting.com. Uh, to save money on your business. We thank those two sponsors tremendously. We're going to have, uh, I believe, got a text from Mike while we were recording. Going to have two JC and Morgans this week, one with a guest, one to talk about this expansion stuff, shorter versions. Uh, I'll be back with this podcast all week. What I'm going to do is load you guys up before my vacation and uh, and then leave some behind 
And then, you know, by the time I get back on the, the 11th or 12th of August, ready to do a pod again, we'll have some juicy nuggets from, from spring practice and, and all that good stuff. I'm sorry, spring practice, preseason practice and all that good stuff. I don't call it fall practice anymore. I guess, you know, technically you could say it's practice for the fall, but it ain't in the fall, man. It's in August in South Carolina. There's nothing fall about that weather. <laughs> so I call, I call it preseason because it happens in the summer. And if you call it summer practice, then because it's college football, when you think summer, you think summer school. But anyway, that's why I say preseason, but that's uh, it's fall practice. Practice for the upcoming fall season. How about that? Uh, so we'll keep you posted on there. Stay tuned to thebigspur.com for complete coverage of all that as the Shane Beamer era starts at South Carolina. Uh, I know that here in 30 days, I'm going to be pretty fired up because it's going to be August 26th and the season will be upon us. Time has flown by to a certain extent. I think it's because we have big recruiting month and then all of a sudden, you know, SEC media days gets there quick and then this expansion bomb gets dropped. So I think that's kind of neat. J.C. Sherbert signing off, folks. Uh, hope you have a wonderful Monday and holla at you soon.